This is a Suno India production and you're listening to Cyber Democracy. Last week, the country was shocked to hear about the rape and murder of a young veterinary doctor in Hyderabad. The Home Minister of Telangana blamed the victim for not calling the emergency police helpline 100 and instead choosing to ask for help from her immediate family. This incident has caused much uproar and has brought the question of women's safety into mainstream debate. After the rape of Nirbhaya in 2012, a fund for women's safety was created by the government of India to improve women's safety. The fund was used for new initiatives like emergency panic buttons in transport vehicles and cctv cameras police apps and other emergency services these new initiatives while providing a sense of safety do not always work to discuss about these women safety measures we have with us rohini lakshane from bachao project with us today welcome to cyber democracy rohini Thank you thank you for having me over so before we start ahead can you tell us about the bachao project and your research on these women safety measures uh, so the bachao project is a techno feminist collective uh, we work with and guide communities women lgbtq people and gender non conforming groups uh, to determine um, the appropriate technological interventions for themselves for their rights and for mitigating gender based violence at the bachao project i handle research and public policy uh speaking about the solutions that are available for women in case of emergency when i pr- press my uh, power button for three times an emergency call is made to the number 112 but they, often it's an accident but either way there is no one on the other side the call just keeps on dialing but there is no one to pick up why is there so laxity on emergency response in the country most of the times these numbers do not work and why are these systems programmed in such a way so mobile phones are programmed to call a standard emergency phone number in keeping with the telecommunication standard of uh, the international telecommunications union or the itu as it is called uh, but however an emergency response system like the 911 in the us needs to be put in place to answer the calls made to this number so while this functionality to call an emergency number exists uh it's it's uh, still necessary to set up let's say a call center or to or or uh, have an operator present 24/7 to answer the calls or have an emergency response dispatcher uh, and have a network that would then find this person in an emergency and respond to them that's the intention of these emergency services but often they don't really work also on these lines you have panic buttons and chaos apps by different police departments or different companies like say ola and uber depending upon your work environment or where you are have these systems ever been fruitful have you ever tested them have you ever worked on these systems and how they work 
my co-author and colleague chinmay sk and i had been independently following uh, the introduction in use of mobile device based panic buttons for the past few years as a part of uh, our efforts uh, in early 2017 the bachao project and the center for internet and society released a research report uh, based on our study of 26 mobile apps operational in india uh, most of them were run or endorsed by police departments in india uh, or endorsed by uh, uh, other public departments uh, and as this was a preliminary study where we studied the permissions that these apps ask for whether or not they had a privacy policy and an end user agreement uh, listed on their websites whether they had a website in the first place uh, and uh, we analyzed the results for those findings um, what we found was uh, that most of the apps sought permissions they didn't need to be able to functions uh, some of the applications gave the developer the ability to do intrusive things such as recording and sending audio remotely or reading the media files on a phone which includes the photographs on the phone and uh, creating accounts and passwords the mobile device based uh, safety apps that we studied as a part of the 2017 study and prior to it had major issues with reliability or design or both uh, some would fail to activate at times some would send out false alarms some would drain the battery quickly because they constantly access the gps and another reason for these issues was uh, shaky mobile connectivity and most of these apps depended on the mobile network to send an sms or uh send an internet message to whoever was designated as the contact in these apps uh as the contact person with the location of the user and a distress message one more reason was the android uh, device ecosystem it is quite varied uh, there are numerous uh, makes and models and uh, customizations of the android uh, operating system and there are different people on different versions of android some of which are quite outdated so designing an app that works well on every make and model of the phone is nearly impossible uh and these apps suffered different bugs or reliability issues based on on different models of phone so having said that it would be immensely useful to have a mobile device based uh, uh safety app that works in combinations with uh, a machinery for emergency response and public safety and law enforcement can you tell us more about uh, if you personally use them in any situations part of your research do you see uh, emergency response arriving at the location um i recently uh, activated an sos uh, button on a cab aggregator app that i was using and uh, i did get it was not a very grave situation but i did get a response uh, from the cab aggregator in uh, about a minute and uh, they ensured that uh, they asked me if i was safe and they followed up with uh, this particular incident so i was pretty happy with the response it was not a life threatening situation and it was happening in the city and uh, fortunately while this was happening we also happened to see some traffic cops who tried to address the incident there was another incident many years ago when i was traveling on a highway at night on a bus 
and uh, some sort of possibly an attempted highway robbery or just mischief somebody had pelted stones on the bus uh, because of which windows had cracked uh, and out of sheer panic um, i tweeted out that this had happened and people who read my tweet Uh, responded uh, by calling the highway patrol or calling the police of the location that i had given and these were at least four or five different people who were trying to reach out to me or reach out to the police and nobody managed to reach any help and the bus driver also said uh, we were out of immediate danger we had to abandon the bus and get into another one uh, but he said there was no point in calling uh, the police or the highway patrol at that point so while there is a sense of response to some of these situations what we are increasingly seeing in indian cities or what we are seeing what the government is doing with the funds available with them under the nibaya fund is to increasingly place cctv cameras in trains buses and in public spaces do you see that this can actually help make women feel safer and actually prevent crimes considering that there is an active person who is following up and who is looking at these video footage 24/7 cctv is maybe useful for gathering direct or circumstantial evidence after an incident has happened that is post facto but they may or may not deter crimes against women um the cameras are useful in deterring deterring crime only if uh, the criminals are not acting out of a feeling of impunity uh, if they are making informed decisions about not leaving evidence behind and if they are not using tricks to beat security systems such as wearing masks or using camera jammers uh, the culprits in the hyderabad incidents for example were truckers who spent a great deal of their time on the highways and must have been aware of the presence of security cameras on the road um, it did not deter them from doing whatever they did on the other hand uh, there is also the possibility that cctv footage may be abused to snoop on someone um, there have been many instances of leaked videos of couples getting intimate on uh, carriages of the delhi metro or at the metro station and these videos landed up on porn sites uh and and these videos were from the security uh cctv footage of the metro company um, india does not have a data protection law or an informational privacy law and there's little oversight on the storage of uh or retention and access of cctv footage by the police or other security agencies so there's equal possibility of abuse of these cctv cameras as well that's something really interesting that you're saying right so cctvs as deterrents is decreasing and the way i would see it is you're normalizing surveillance or you're normalizing cctvs and people have found ways to evade them or ignore them or they don't see it as a threat anymore do you have any insights on this i uh won't say that people don't see it as a, a threat anymore it's just that it's a deterrent only to certain kinds of criminals with a certain kind of in, in intent uh people who are acting out of a sense of entitlement or impunity will anyway ignore the the cctv camera even if it's there and functioning uh and those who do not have 
have impunity to their advantage have found little ways to beat these these systems including cheap workarounds like camera jammers that is not to say that that cctvs are not useful but the way i see it there is more evidence of uh, cctvs being useful for post facto for the police to gather evidence uh, uh, to find evidence even from private cameras for example when some incident has happened and then uh, use it in in the process of investigation or further trials that's really interesting to understand from the post facto perspective at the same time how do women feel about cctvs right do do, do they think it actually makes them safer like i know that women feel relatively safer when there are a lot of people around and there there are usually streets are lit or if it's day during the night any isolated streets are no no so does a cctv in some of these areas actually help them feel safe to venture out um uh, more than cameras i'd say uh, functional street lighting more reliable and affordable public transport more police patrolling in the areas that are known to be isolated a bystander interventions that support uh, the person who's being harassed or attacked uh and the general level of public safety are the factors that make a difference to the feeling or perception of safety uh the thing with cameras is also that they are expensive to install and run and monitor so in terms of private cameras not publicly installed cameras that's that's another cost that private citizens uh, have to bear uh, in in the name of uh, public safety or private safety my colleague chinmay sk carried out the safe goa project over nearly 2 years to investigate the issue of harassment of women on the streets and public spaces in goa and our finding shows that women wanted these measures that i just mentioned uh, to be implemented to deal against street violence or harassment in her findings there is no mention of uh, uh, things like they wanted access to private cab services uh, for example and private cabs in goa are notoriously expensive and mostly meant for tourists and not for everyday they commuters and there is uh, apart from the tourist private cabs that there is really no private cab transport available for women unless it's your own vehicle uh, so it's it's these three or four measures that i just mentioned uh, that work better instead of technologies like cameras and so on uh, having said that in one of the uh, leaks of the delhi metro cctv footage which happened this year in july Uh, this was a couple making out on on the metro station if i remember correctly and this video landed up on a pawn site uh, now this is a big security concern that footage surveillance footage from the metro company has been leaked by by somebody presumably an insider and has gotten into the hands of third parties even pawn site owners uh but the response to this was that uh, uh this couple uh, uh was the the dmrc the metro company said said that this couple was what they were doing was obscenity in a public place and they filed a police complaint against this unidentified couple in the name of obscenity so if you are a woman whose video falls into the wrong hands like you would never expect surveillance camera footage owned by 
uh, a public transport company to land up on a pawn site. But if you're somebody whose footage falls into the wrong hands, here you go. We had a similar incident in Hyderabad Metro when they actually installed CCTV cameras in the lifts and young teens never knew that there were cameras because there were no warning signs. And there were a couple of video footages which also ended up and actually TV channels are on YouTube and, and the only reaction the Metro authorities came up with is that oh, we'll place warning signs wherever the cameras are. And we have these signs everywhere now which says Big Boss is watching you whenever there is a camera. Having said that, uh, are there a list of demands or suggestions that organizations and other women groups in the space have for authorities in general? Do they actively engage with, say, police? and uh, the ministries of women and child care for example to actively improve women safety issues or is it only that authorities kind of look at the issue when there are incidents like rape and murder um so i can only speak for myself and my own uh, organization uh in terms of making spaces safer uh, what we've seen repeatedly is either offhand callous remarks like you've just mentioned uh, uh, after the, the incident in Hyderabad, somebody in office saying uh, that she should have called the police instead of calling her uh, family. And in this particular case, the family, in fact, did call the police and did not uh, receive timely help. So we have seen either these sort of responses or we have seen measures unilaterally uh, implemented by the government, like the compulsory GPS and panic button in, in mobile phones notification that came out in 2017. It was issued by the Ministry of Women and Child Welfare. Now, law and order and policing is, is very tied to local neighborhoods. So it would actually benefit for law enforcement to figure out to work out what are the issues concerning women in those areas. Sometimes it could just be as simple as having better street lighting. Uh, and for this, they could work with NGOs all by themselves uh, and try and talk to neighborhood watch groups or try and talk to women in particular areas to find out what their issues are and what they would like for themselves, what would make them feel safer. On an everyday basis, women make multiple decisions. They take multiple precautions for their own safety. So saying that women are not doing enough to ensure their own safety is not realistic. To be able to solve these law and order public safety problems, it's necessary to engage with the public and to know what exactly is causing the, the public safety issue in the first place. Uh, so this would require local level interactions, interventions, and for, for larger policy level interventions, it's, it would still be the same for, for, for the Ministry of Women and Child Welfare or for the police department to, to engage with experts, to engage with uh, women's groups uh, uh, and so on to, to uh, find a way of implementing a functional emergency response system. That's an important suggestion and then that, that's something I guess the entire civil society is trying to go after with, trying to work with the government and other stakeholders. 
at the same time, what we are seeing, what we have seen rather post Nirbhaya is we had a fund and the government was giving out money to invest on women's safety issues. Now, what, what we have seen though is most of the fund was used to install technology-based solutions like either CCTV cameras or panic buttons or to improve these emergency response systems. But often they're not they're not good enough or they could be misplaced solutions. Why do you think these are the reactions that are coming up post any incident? Do you see this as more of a patriarchal response or do you see this because of a rise of technocracy or techno-solutionism that's happening in the country? Uh, it's both. Um, it's also patriarchal in the sense that women themselves are not consulted in addressing their own issues uh, that concern their safety or their well-being, which is a classic protectionist patriarchal way of saying, you know, we know what is good for you. Since the live the people with the lived experiences, in this case women, are not being consulted, there are these sort of solutions which are disconnected from the reality of of women and the reality of distress situations that concern women in urban areas. These sort of solutions are being implemented. Right. So even not just from the police and the bureaucrats, what we are seeing even within the parliament, some of the MPs are suggesting, saying that the women should carry, say, pepper sprays with them or potentially uh, not venture out during certain period of uh, the day. What is it that women should do, actually? I mean, I know that it's, it's a very strange question. Uh, it should be a rather put, what should men do? But it's eventually the burden of the women right now that they have to do something to feel safer. So as I've said previously, it's women take all kinds of precautions uh, all the time for their safety. We are taught to to, uh, watch out for ourselves all the time, right from girlhood, from the time we do not know what sex or sexual assault is. There really isn't uh, any wisdom in asking women to take more precautions or better precautions. Uh, And if there are precautions that people in general are missing, it might make sense for the police to issue an advisory for public safety in certain areas. Like if certain areas have have some issues which where they would like women in general to, to follow certain measures, then a localized intervention is a different story. But in general, asking women to uh, do one thing or another is is not really going to go very far. And I keep coming back to it. Uh, what works is in engaging with local people, local communities to figure out problems in different urban areas that, that could solve the public safety crisis. And the biggest of these uh, problems in many, many urban areas is, a, is the street lighting and a lack of... Uh, reliable public transport i have one last question for you which is on primarily on the idea of digital literacy right so when you say women are taught a lot about keeping themselves safe and trying to understand how to sense a threat are a lot of people women are 
are they told about these panic and sauce buttons? For example, a lot of my own friends don't know there are panic buttons in buses or panic buttons in autos or in the cabs. Uh, is there a lack of digital literacy while we implement these solutions, but don't tell people that there is this option? I wouldn't call it a lack of digital literacy. I would call it a lack of public outreach uh, on behalf of the departments uh, or the agencies that are implementing these solutions. Uh, for for the public to know that uh, a certain intervention is available, uh, like everybody knows that if you need to reach the police via phone, they have to call 100. Uh, since this is now part of common knowledge, the other interventions are not. So there needs to be outreach to, to the public uh, to inform them that these interventions are available and you could use them. In the past, we have observed that some of these interventions have been misused by the public. For example, certain, certain WhatsApp helplines were flooded with spam or with certain inappropriate content. Uh, these were helplines run by the police in some places. Uh, so the reverse also happens. But if in the case of uh, dedicated panic buttons or dedicated apps, it is really it would need a marketing campaign of sorts for the police to inform the public that these interventions are available. Thank you, Rohini. Thank you for explaining all the issues related to women's safety on cyber democracy. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for listening to the episode of Cyber Democracy. You can listen to this podcast on sonoindia.in or any other podcast app of your choice. As independent producers, we rely on you, our listeners, to support us. So please visit the support page on our website, sonoindia.in, and contribute generously. Thank you.